you know, if I were to, if I were to say uh, to Brother Lewis, uh, if you'll humor me for a minute, hey, would, would you come here for just a second? Thank you. Praise God. All right, you can be seated. Now, I now I have a question for you. I have a real question for you. Which part of his body gets credit for him coming up here? Which part does his does, does his ears get the credit because they heard the request? I mean, do his eyes get the credit because he saw the motion and he knew where to come? Do his feet get the credit because they carried him up here? Do his legs get the credit because they participated? Which part gets the credit? See, we focus so much on credit. Who gets credit for what was done? Who gets credit for what was accomplished? We understand when I'm talking, we're like, well, man, I don't know. Like, it was a whole, it was a whole body effort. We need the Holy Ghost to help us in our thinking in our understanding so that we as individual parts of a whole body stop seeking credit. Who cares who gets credit? We recognize, here, come here, yeah. please. Who's here? Who's this? Lewis. Now, did anybody look and go, well, his legs are there? Or look and go, well, his head's there? Anybody do that? No. Why? Because we look and we recognize, no, the whole man, Lewis, is here. Right? We don't break him up into parts and go, oh, that, you understand what I'm saying? We do that spiritually. We want, and now I understand the scripture that talks about giving honor where honor is due and those type of things. But we need the Holy Ghost to change the way we think so that we stop looking for credit when we're simply performing a function as an individual part of the entire body of Christ. talking to myself as well. This is why the Lord has been dealing with me so much about it. Our human nature wants credit for God using us. Now, how silly does that sound when I say that that way? But it's true, isn't it? Am I the only one that's ever dealt with that? Our human nature wants credit for God using us. 
And in so doing, when I pursue credit as an individual part, it's a way in which the adversary gets me to begin comparing in the body. And it can bring division in the body. These, right? But if I, by the grace of God, and it will only be by the grace of God, if I, by the grace of God, the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, the writer of Hebrews called the Holy Ghost the Spirit of Grace, if I, by the grace of God, can stop seeking credit for how and when God uses me and simply seek that all credit and glory and honor would go to his whole body. You know, it keeps that from happening. Pride. 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 We all in our human nature want to be seen for a job well done. And so it's subtle. But I begin seeking credit for how God uses me. I believe we should share testimonies. You know that. We should talk about how God has done great things. But it's the Lord that will shine the light of his word in my heart and examine my motive and go, are you testifying because you want to bring glory to God? Or are you trying to just get some credit for how God used you? Subtle difference, isn't it? That's how the adversary works. He's subtle. We read that from the very beginning. His nature has not changed. His nature has not changed because God created his nature. Now he fell, but he still had the nature. And so he's subtle. And so he works in our motive and in our thoughts subtly to get us to try to do these things. Lord, by your grace, I pray. Deliver me from seeking credit for when and how you use me. Just use me. Just use me. Amen? Praise God. Uh, all right. It's good to have so many of you with us tonight. These, these fine, four fine-looking young men right here, I start calling names, I'll get in trouble. But I'm glad to see them tonight. I, I haven't even got to say hello. To, well, I got to say hello to Javi earlier because we passed in the hall. But um, glad they're here. Uh, these are four young men from CLC in Stockton. And we're glad they're here. And they're going to be with us in our home for the next few days. And... Um, we missed each other in the coming and going today, so I'm glad they're here. And I'm not going to put them on the spot tonight, although I'm sure they can handle it. But uh, I don't know all their plans and all that yet, and so we'll figure all that out. It may or may not be that one or two or three or four may be with us early Sunday morning. I don't know. We'll just have to see. I know they got schedules and all that stuff, but we'll see what the Lord will do. Amen? So make sure you greet them. Amen. Amen. Appreciate him choosing to be with us.
Well, good to see you. Praise God. John chapter 6. Why don't you go there with me? It's good to have Graciela with us tonight from Spokane, Jacinto's sister, her friend, family. Praise God. I just want to take a few minutes. I know that scares some of you. Um, and uh, I want to trust the Holy Ghost to open some understanding in us tonight. Um, and I do not stand here opening the word as though I have the understanding, all the understanding about what we're going to dive into. The Holy Ghost to do that, to give us understanding. Amen. John chapter 6 is a, has a familiar parable at the beginning. For sake of time, I'm not going to read all of it because if I started in, we'd just read all 71 verses and we're not going to do that tonight. Everybody said amen. Um. But if you, if you read the first few verses of John chapter 6, you find, of course, one of the instances in the Gospels where Jesus took bread and fish, blessed it and broke it, and fed, I, I believe in this passage, 5,000. Uh, familiar to all of us, right? We've all heard, right? One time it was 7,000. We see different numbers in different Gospels in different times where the Lord did this. But here we find this, I said parable, it's not a parable, it's an actual event that where the Lord blessed and broke bread and fed thousands. What a miracle, right? What a beautiful and amazing miracle that he did this. And it was simply the Lord using, anytime the Lord did something in the natural, he was really seeking to reveal something in the spiritual because we understand the things that are not seen by the things that are seen. And our, our human nature oftentimes tends to stop at the natural. Not that we don't thank God for that. God does something in the natural. We thank Him, but we, we may, because of our, um, our human nature, we thank Him for that truly in heartfelt thanks, but then we stop prior to where God would reveal deeper spiritual things about what just took place in the natural. And so we see Jesus do this uh, periodically throughout the Gospels, and we see it here in John chapter 6. And so he, he feeds the thousands. They gather up baskets so that nothing's lost, I think is how he said to do so. And, and then... Jesus goes on his way, and people begin seeking him. These boats followed him, looking for him. And we'll pick up in verse 26, or verse 25. And so these, these boats follow, seeking Jesus. He had went to Capernaum. I think they'd been in Tiberias. Jesus, or verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea... They said to him, Rabbi or teacher, when did you come here? Now, notice Jesus didn't answer their question. 
Jesus has a way sometimes it can feel like he's avoiding our questions, but he's not. Or it can seem like he's ignoring our question, but he's not. What Jesus is doing is he's going directly to the motive of the heart. He's going directly to the motive of the heart. And so he does so in his response in verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, notice, you seek me. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? You seek me, but not because you saw the miracles. But you're seeking me because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And that just sounds pretty shallow, doesn't it? Does that just sound shallow to me? Jesus just called it right out, didn't he? He said, you're not looking for me because of the miracles. You came looking for me because I did something that benefited you in the natural. You received natural benefit. And your human nature likes it when I do something that benefits you in the natural. And that's the reason you're seeking me. You're not seeking me because of the supernatural. You're not seeking me because of the miraculous. You're seeking me because I did something that benefited your human natural need. And I feel a conviction in my spirit in the seeking of the Lord where he would drill down into my motive and yours and say, are you seeking me for personal benefit in the natural or is there something in your spirit that's responding to the beckoning of his spirit that says, Jesus, I'm not seeking you for what I can get from you in the natural. I'm not seeking you for a raise on my job. I'm not seeking you for a better car. I'm not seeking you for a better living situation. Nothing wrong with any of those things you understand. But the, Jesus, I'm, I'm trying to bring it to where we live today. Jesus was dealing with where they lived. They were seeking him because he fed them and they were hungry. Natural. And they were human beings just like you and I. And he was trying to move them. And I feel the spirit of the Lord trying to move us. He was trying to move them from a place of relationship that was merely based on what they wanted and needed and thought made their life better in the natural. And so he was addressing this condition in their heart. You seek me not because of the supernatural. You're seeking me because of what you got in the natural from me. Now the Lord knows what we have need of before we ask, right? That's the word. The Father knows what we have need of before we even ask him. Doesn't mean we don't talk to him about the things we need in the natural. But the Lord is trying to take us to a deeper place in him 
where our seeking of him is based solely in who he is. Who he is. And how he would desire to work in and with and through us. Not for us. Now. It's going to get better if that seems terrible. It's not. If that seems terrible, it tells me how much I'm focused on the natural. Does that make sense? Because really, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus is saying, if I, I, I hear him saying to, was it Nathaniel under the tree? Okay. I hear him saying, because I said I saw you when you were under the tree, you believe? I told you about some small thing in the natural, and you think it's cool because I could see it before. You just wait. You're going to see the angels of heaven ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I'm going to take you into the supernatural to see things. The Lord would desire to do that in this hour. If we can begin to seek him in that way. In what way do you seek him? Now. I got to hurry up. I done lost my place. Verse 27. I'm going to read fast now. Jesus is still speaking. Labor not or work not for the meat that perishes. Natural. Now, note, Jesus wasn't saying you shouldn't work. Is that right? Okay. Paul said if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Right? So there's that. But he was talking about where our focus of our labor is. But what should we labor for? For that meat which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Notice verse 28. Then they said to him, so he's now got them into this conversation. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Okay. We'll shift over into the miraculous. What do we need to do so that we can work the works of God? Isn't that, they're just as human as we are, aren't they? You ever, God, just tell me what to do so that I could. That's exactly what they said. Verse 29. Jesus answered, said to them, this is the work of God. Are you ready for this big list of things you must do? This is the work of God. That you believe on him whom he hath sent. I didn't write it. This is the work of God. It's not my list of rules and guidelines and things that you. This is the work of God. They ask a question. What do we need to do so that we can do the works? And Jesus' response was, this is the work. It's an element of belief. And your element of belief is going to produce some things, but you and I aren't going to produce them. It's the belief in Him who's been sent by God that produces them. We work so hard to do and to produce something that we could never produce 
That which is born of the flesh is. That which is born of the spirit is. Yeah. This is the work of God. Or this is God's work that you believe on him who has sinned. They said, therefore, unto him. So I'm so thankful the Bible is filled with human beings. Aren't you? So they're still. In, have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you knew there was a flow of ministry taking place? Anybody ever been in one of those conversations? Yeah. OK, good. And and you've been in this conversation where, man, there's been a flow of ministry. And then you opened your mouth and you said something. And you're like, oh, I just revealed how human I am. I was trying to be spiritual because it was a spiritual conversation. And I hope oh, you guys are looking at me like, no, that's never happened to me, Brother Hart. <laughs> you must be the one that has the problem. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, maybe you didn't do anything in that moment, but you left. And you're like, man, what was I thinking? And you just realize. I, I don't know what you realized. I, I, I wanted so much to, that I tried to produce something. Even in a flow of conversation, I tried to produce something. And in my effort to produce something, what I produced was clear evidence of what is born of the flesh or what is born of the spirit. Right. So so we have these people in conversation with Jesus. I know it's in the King James English, so we read it really fast. We're like, I don't know, whatever they said. But here's what's happening. There's this conversation going back and forth with Jesus. Jesus is trying to move them from their human natural need. Into the spiritual, he speaks, right? Everything he speaks is spirit. We understand this, right? Any time and everything that Jesus speaks or spoke in the scripture is spirit. He said that. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay? This is a principle of the word of God. So he speaks, but the problem is they keep coming back to the natural. Now, we can judge them harshly, but we're as human as they are. And the Lord is trying to take us into this place where we stop reverting back to the natural. Now, they said unto him, what sign do you show us then so that we may see and believe you? What do you work? Give us some evidence. Verse 31, they go way back. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, remember, remember the miracle that took place at the beginning that we just talked about and didn't read? What was the miracle? Remember the bread, the loaves being... Ah, see, Jesus, is, he knew right where he was taking them, didn't he? He's taking them somewhere. He was trying to get them to the spiritual. They pointed back to the manna. That was a miracle of bread. The manna fell. I know manna. I mean, so what what work are you going to show us? We we got the miracle of manna. I I guess the loaves multiplying wasn't quite enough. What what miracle are you going to show us? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now Jesus says, okay, it's time. Watch what he does. Verse 32. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. 
Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. I'm going to say that again. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Is he speaking in the natural? No, we know that. He is speaking in the spiritual. Jesus said, He that comes to me will never hunger spiritually and will never thirst spiritually. I mean, he had to either mean it naturally or spiritually. Yes. And we all agree he didn't mean it in the natural. So he had to mean it in the spiritual. He that comes to me shall. When? Never. Never. Hunger. And he that believes on me shall. Never. Thirst. Do you believe that? So if you and I have. Hunger. And thirst, where do we go? <laughs> now I'm going to read fast. Jesus said, but I've said to you, that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Lord is speaking life. He's speaking spirit. And there are people still there in the natural trying to debate with him. Verse 41. The Jews murmured. Because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. They missed everything else he said because he said, I'm the bread. They were hung, they were hung up on that statement. What about everything else? And they said, isn't this Jesus? Isn't this the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? How is it that he said, I came down from heaven? They're still in the natural. I feel so desperately the spirit of God reaching to us, trying to get into our spirit. Reaching to where we are and say, if you'll allow me to shift your thoughts, 
I'm wanting to do a supernatural work and thing in this hour. And if you can get past the place of seeking me for what you can get in the natural, what I can do to benefit you. But if you'll begin seeking me the way that I want to work, you'll see that you'll never be hungry again. You'll never have spiritual hunger. You'll never have spiritual thirst. And the will of the Father will be done because that's what I'm sent for. But you keep looking back at the natural. I don't know if this is just for me or one or two, but the Holy Ghost is wanting to work and function in, with, and through the body in this hour that we're living in. But there's got to be something take place in us supernaturally. A dying to ourself and our will and our desire that seeks the face of God in such a way that says, Lord, whatever you're wanting to do, I'm yielded and I believe that you're sent to do it. And you can do it in and with this vessel. Now Jesus answered and said to them, don't murmur among yourselves. Verse 44. Here's a verse we often quote. Now we get it in context. Verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. We quote that a lot, right? No man comes except the Spirit draws him. Jesus was speaking in this context. No man can come to me except the Spirit draws him. And I'll raise him up in the last day. It's written in the prophets that we taught of God. We'll skip on down. Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. He brought them back to their natural thinking. If you stay living and operating and functioning in the natural, you're going to end up the same way they did. Dead. He that believes on me has everlasting life. They that lived in the natural ended up dead. Your fathers ate men in the wilderness are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is revealing himself to these people that are here that have come seeking him. And he chose, it's time, I'm going to begin revealing myself to them. I'm going to show them who I am, if they'll see. If I can get them to move from the natural into the supernatural. If they'll stop listening in the natural and start hearing with the Spirit, they'll see who I am. They'll recognize who I am. They'll understand who I am. And they'll seek me for the reason I want them to seek me. I... um, I'm a parent, three children. When I was younger, maybe I shouldn't use my children. My wife keeps two kids, Eli and Ruby. Eli and Ruby are two. And Eli and Ruby have needs, all kinds of needs. Early this morning, they had needs. They were in the pool outside, this little bitty blow-up pool with a bunch of little balls in it, and they were splashing water out of the pool. And and they have these little um, 
I don't know what they're called, water guns, I guess, that you stick down in the water. It's really complicated for a two-year-old. You stick it in the water, and you grab one end, and you pull, and it fills it up with water, right? Like a water tube. And then you push, and it shoots water. Well, that's simple enough for you and I, but for a two-year-old, they don't understand. They're just going like this and trying to get me wet. Thank the Lord they don't understand. And I'm trying to tell them, no, you got to put it in the water and then pull. They don't understand, so they pull it, and now it's supposed to work. So I didn't take them back to the pool and fill it for them. But they both come over to me while I'm sitting outside there. And Ruby called me Mr. Joe, Mr. Joe. And so she says my name a couple times to make sure she has my attention. And then she says, help, help. And so then Eli the parrot chimes in, help, help. And so I've got two little ones there going, help, help, and holding their little water guns. They're needy. They're needy. And, and after that, it would be something else and something else, right? Always wanting, always wanting, not always wanting. Now, if any of you have dealt with children or adults that act like children, In the workplace, right? You know, oh, you know, I, you know what I'm talking about. That that wasn't a jab at my kids. That's why I wanted to make that clear. Like in the workplace, you know, you get people and they're like, "Man, these are just grown-up kids." And after a while, you're just like, "Oh man, they're needy." You know what I'm talking about? They're needy. You got a, a two or three or four-year-old. Man, they're needy. Like, I just I, when I was younger, there was a commercial. It was called Calgon. Take me away. It was like somebody had a full day and they were just wanting to go get in a tub and soap and get away from all their troubles. Needy, 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 needy. And after a while, you're just feeling like, man, is my only purpose to just meet all their needs? Right? When I read through John 6, I get the sense that Jesus is really trying to help people transition. They, they just keep coming to him because of all they need. Everything they need. Jesus, help, 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 Jesus, help, help. Fix this, Jesus. Do this, Jesus. Work this out, Jesus. Change this, Jesus. Fix this, Jesus. Give me this, Jesus. Need, need, need. In the natural. And Jesus is trying to give them himself. He's saying you're focusing on what I can give you. When really your focus should be on me. If you would get your focus off of your need. In the natural. And get your focus on me. In the spiritual, I am all you need. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna. Yes, it fell from heaven, but it was natural and they died. But if you'll eat of me, you'll never hunger again. 
if the Lord, by His great mercy and abundant grace, could do a supernatural work in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirit, and shift us from a place of focusing on natural need and continuing our constant coming to Him solely for natural need, and move us into a place to where our coming is simply for Him. For Him. Him. Not what He can do for me spiritually. Him. He's trying to move them. He's trying to move them. He takes it further and I'm finishing. Verse 53. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. If you don't do this, no life. Whoso eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him at the last day. If you're keeping track, that's the third time Jesus said that. I'll raise him at the last day. My flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He that eats this bread shall live forever. Now jump down to verse 60. Watch the result of Jesus' teaching. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself his disciples murmured. He said to them does this offend you? Is this offensive to you? Verse 63, stand with me tonight, please. Again, remember the whole time he's trying to move them. The whole time he's trying to move them from the natural to the spiritual. The whole time he's trying to he's trying to get them to see. See, when we when we stay in the natural, when we live in the natural, when we remain in the natural, we miss all that he intends. Jesus said, It is the spirit that quickeneth or makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, he went further. He said, there's some of you that don't believe. He said, there's some of you that don't believe. Now. Skip down to verse 66. From that time, 
from the moment that Jesus began trying to move them out of the natural to the spiritual. See that? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. It's a pretty clear line, isn't it? From that time, he was trying to move them. They just couldn't make the transition. They couldn't make the transition to walk with him in the spirit. It's really what it was. They were content to walk with him as long as he was doing miracles. That's where he started. You don't seek me because of the miraculous. You're seeking me because the miracle fed you. You're seeking me because of what you got, the benefit of being with me. You're not seeking me for me. You're not seeking me for the supernatural work and recognition of who I am. You're seeking me because of what you think you can get or hope to get from me. And he kept going deeper and deeper and deeper, as you see, when we just walked through John 6. Continuing to challenge, trying to bring them to the understanding, trying to bring them to the understanding, trying to bring them to the understanding. And you remember the story at the beginning, right? How many loaves were there? How many? 5,000 people ate from how many loaves? Five. Was that the natural? You're like, I don't know, I'm not answering that. Is that a trick question? Was that natural loaves? Yeah? It was natural loaves, wasn't it? Did the people eat natural bread? Yeah. Jesus was trying to help them understand. If you'll make the transition by the words that I speak to you, if you'll get the revelation and understanding that I'm seeking to bring. And you'll transition from seeking the natural to start seeking the spiritual. What you saw in the natural. Where I took little and it became much. When you transition into the spiritual. You got this idea of how is all these things going to happen. If I'll just seek him. He is the bread of life. I want to read this verse in the Amplified. That's why I know I had this down here for a reason. So verse uh, 66. First in the King James. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus to the twelve, will you also go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. He 
So in the Amplified, verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples abandoned him and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Notice Peter's response. You alone have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. We have believed and confidently trusted, and even more we have come to know by personal observation and experience that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have believed and confidently trusted, and we know from observation and personal experience. I feel the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus Christ desiring. This is why relationship matters so much. It's why relationship matters so much. Because we come to know Him by observation and personal experience. Not by intellectualism and head knowledge. And if you and I are not spending time with him and fellowshipping him consistently. We will not come to know him. But Peter and the others had spent time with him and knew him. And so Peter said, hey, where are we going to go? We've already determined you have the words of eternal life. And we know and we trust confidently who you are. You're, you're the son of God. You're, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've sought. We're not going anywhere else. We're not chasing anything else. We're not looking for natural. That's why we left the fishing boats. We're not looking for natural. You understand when Christ was crucified and buried, that Peter, that wrestling that went on with him, he went back to the boats fishing again. He went back to the natural in times of Christ. He still hadn't made that. Yeah, he'd gone back and forth. You see him vacillating at times, speaking in the spiritual and then speaking in the natural, right? At Caesarea Philippi, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then just a few verses later, get behind me, Satan. Thou savest not the things that be of God. Peter, the same words, what in the world's going on? Well, he was bouncing back and forth between the spiritual, being in tune spiritually. And then in the natural, his natural emotion and human reasoning kicking in and operating in that place. And Jesus is trying to move us. To where stop vacillating between the natural and the spiritual in relationship with him. You can read it in John 7. He deals with the same issue. You can read it in John 15. He's dealing with the same issue. Right? He said it about the bread. If you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, then I'll abide in you and you in me. John 15, he spent the whole time using the branch and the vine as an example. He says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will, it'll be done. He's trying to get them to a place of living and abiding in him spiritually. 
versus a relationship built on more bread, more what I need. This is the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you and I, if you begin to talk to him with me, if you and I will abide in him, if we will know him as the bread of life, if we will daily, daily get up and go and eat of the bread, drink of the blood, daily eat of the bread, drink of the blood, Daily, eat of the bread, drink of the blood, fellowship with him. Daily. I know this is a hard saying. I'm not going to be offended by it. I'm going to, God, you have the words of eternal life. Your words are spirit and life. Come on. The Holy Ghost is inviting you. Jesus is inviting you and I daily eat of the bread, drink of the blood. Daily eat of the bread, drink of the blood. Jesus, I want you. It's you that I seek. It's you that I seek. I'll not be ashamed of you. I'll not be ashamed of you. Yes, it's a hard saying. Yes, it causes some that live in the natural to turn and go away. But Jesus, where else will I go? You have the words of eternal life. And your words, I believe, I know they are spirit and they are life. My flesh, it profits me nothing. These things in the natural have no profit but your spirit, Lord. Your spirit quickens. It makes me alive. And so I come to you again to eat of your flesh to drink of your blood, to eat of your flesh, to drink of your blood, Jesus. Open our understanding, I pray. Spiritual revelation and impartation, I pray. By your living word, O God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, lead us in this your word. Take us deeper in understanding and revelation of this, your word. Show us what you're seeking to declare to us and reveal to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. You are the bread of life. You are the bread of life. You are the bread of life. Itabayelo Santo Rei Arabayeti Eleki Elebeki. Itamando Rosia Ramashito Lobokoyea. 
I want to partake of your body. I want to partake of your blood every day. Oh, God, forgive me if in every, any facet I've been offended by it. Forgive me if in any way I've turned back. Forgive me, Lord, for those times where I have. I turn to you. Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are the bread of life. You have the words of eternal life. Your words, O oh Lord Jesus, they are spirit and they are life. Ilamando reya mashia yelo mokoye ialabataha rebashiolobotoriatahaye. Inamasetorokoyearatahayelobosataha. Would you please just pray with me a little longer? I really do feel the Holy Ghost trying to bring us some revelation here. He's trying to do something here that I, I can't explain it. Just, I just want to be obedient. Would you just wait on him a little longer? I believe the Holy Ghost is stripping some things from our mind that would blind. and He's wanting to impart some things into our spirit if we'll receive there's a place He's taking us here in the Holy Ghost. We've got to get in this place where His Word is speaking of. We can't do it in our natural ability. The flesh profits nothing. It produces nothing of value. We're not going to do it in the flesh, but by His Spirit, by His Spirit, by His Spirit. His Spirit quickens. It gives life. Itamande ye kiarashi olobuko ye tiaba. Iaramashi ororobo sitilie araramaha. Iaramashi tolobuko sitaha. 
Yaramashi Ororoboshi Arabakaye Teledi Aramando Robositiya. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yaramasoroboshitaha. Brother Jerry, could you put Mark chapter 14, verse 22 up there, please, before we go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread. Now, if we'd have read the beginning of John 6, this would sound eerily familiar. As they did eat, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. There was a pattern there. We see it in John 6. Go read the beginning. And he gave it to them. Watch. And he said, take Eat. This is my body. He brought the Passover from the Old Testament. He brought them revelation that he was the Passover lamb. You see, the Lord always brings progressive revelation. They knew he was the Lamb of God. They believed that. I don't know if they had connected the dots that he was the Passover Lamb until this moment. But Jesus said when he blessed and broke the bread, take, eat, this is my body. We know, and I believe by his revelation, understand that we are the body of Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Are you the body of Christ? If you're the body of Christ, I'm the body of Christ. And we are. What happens when he blesses and breaks us? How many could he feed? How many could he feed? If we'll move out of the natural into the spiritual and realize who we are and allow him to bless us and to break us as his body. 
He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them. He said, eat it. This is my body. starting to get a glimpse of I think where he's trying to take us don't worry we won't stay here all night and go there except a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die it abides alone but if it dies it'll bring forth before that grain of wheat is not bread we agree it's a grain of wheat but when it dies it becomes a stalk of wheat still not bread once it's harvested it's still not bread once it's ground still not bread once it's winnowed it's still not bread once it's sifted it's still not bread once it's crushed it's still not bread. Now, its identity is changing. Now, it's flour. It's no longer wheat. But it's still not bread. But when that winnowed and sifted and cut and ground wheat is now flour, its whole identity's changed. It can never go back to being wheat, you understand. And then it's mixed with oil. You know, good bread's flour mixed with oil, not water. It's mixed with oil and becomes dough. Guess what? You can never get the oil back out of the dough and get the flour back out of the oil. And we understand the oil is always indicative of the spirit. And so now you have this dough and you put it in the fire. And that grain of wheat that fell in the ground and died and stayed in the process, stayed in the process, the cutting from the ground, that's the conviction that cuts, the cutting sifting and the winnowing and the grinding and all those things. Sometimes just sitting on a shelf waiting for the time. That's the worst part, in my opinion. At least all those other things, you know something's happening. You're just grains of wheat in a jar sitting on the shelf waiting. Ugh. And the grinding to your identity and my identity is gone. And these grains of wheat are now ground together and it's no longer Martine and Robert and Joel. It's now just one big pile of flour, if I can say it that way. No longer individual identity. Lost identity. No credit. No credit. And then the oil of the Spirit mixes in. And that which we could never be 
of ourselves, no matter how dead we get. When the oil of the Spirit is mixed in, we become something we would never be on our own. Now he takes this where he has poured his spirit into these earthen vessels and goes through the fire, becomes bread in the oven, right? It's a process. And he takes it and he blesses it and he breaks it. Says, take it and eat it. You want to know how we're going to see end time harvest? It's going to be because we allow him to take us to a place to where we no longer look for what he can do in the natural for me and my needs. But I start and live each day eating of the bread, drinking of the blood, fellowship with him, fellowship with him. And I become who I'm meant to be in the body of Christ. And then he can bless me, break me and feed a world that is hungry. Jesus. Here I am. Jesus. Here I am. I don't know how, but you do. Here I am. It is a work of your spirit, not of our doing. Here I am. Itamane konoshitana namaha. Itanamate nonoshitiyama. Jesus, here I am, seeking you. Itamana <laughs> Itamano ye amane tonaye lomosi ananamaka. Iotoria shato ye maka. 
If you've ever prayed, I want to be used of God. He's helped us see how. He's helped us see how. There is no individual grains of wheat that get credit for being bread. be used of God and I know we do we've got to be willing to lose our identity be found in him be found in him oh he may do some thing here or there through us but it'll always be limited because he'll not share his glory with another. No flesh will glory in his presence. And so you remember the question the disciples, some of those disciples ask, what do we need to do? What's the work we need to do to perform works? I'm paraphrasing, but you remember us reading it in John 6. Jesus was answering their question. He just wasn't answering it in a way that they might have hoped he would have. Oh, you know, I'll tell you what, let me give you a few more pharisaical things you can do that are Help you prove your righteousness. Now, here's the way. Me. Seek me. You're willing to lose your identity in me. Let me mesh you together with grains of wheat you wouldn't choose. Stop comparing. Stop measuring. Stop finding fault and criticizing and just let me place members in the body as it pleases me. I'll use you. But are you okay if I use you and you don't get any credit? 
you okay if I use you and all the attention's on me? That's really where he's wanting to take us. I want to go there, and I know you do too. Praise God. Could we love him together before we go tonight? I'm humbled and honored by your openness and reception to the word of the Lord here. I worship you, Father. I worship you. I worship you. I thank you for the precious people of God, the precious body of Christ. Each and every member in particular, I thank you, Father. I worship you and I love you. I worship you and I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are the bread of life. Life, everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Glad you came to church tonight. Amen. I know it's warm in here. You don't all have a bottle of water in your hand. We'll work hard to cool things down early on Sunday morning. Praise God. Um. Brother Joey, are we good to go on Thursday? Or, I, man, it's already Thursday. Can you tell I don't know what day it is? You can tell I've been on vacation. We're going to go on Saturday. What time? 10 to 1. All right. I'm so glad you had the wisdom to start early in the morning. Thank you, Jesus. So Saturday from 10 to 1, Kissel Park. Uh, Kissel Park. I know there's sign-up sheets and stuff about bringing food and things like that. We're going to have a... T- um, so we'll be out there before it gets too terribly blistering. Uh, just going to have a good time together. If you can be there. If you got questions, ask Brother Joey, Sister Stephanie. Don't ask me because you clearly can tell I have no clue. And so, but we're going to have a great time and uh, look forward to that. So uh, anything you need to add to that right now, Brother George? You'll send them. Okay, so watch your... Watch your group messaging from the church, and you'll get the details there. Thank you so much for all the work that you all are doing, Brother and Sister Charles. Appreciate that very much. Um, we'll, we'll get this messaging out as well, but I want to tell you, because you're here tonight, Sunday, I'm aware it is July the 4th. Okay. So we will be here to celebrate freedom. <laughs> He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Amen. So we will be here Sunday. Um, I'm really going to put you on the spot right now, okay? This is an, I don't do polls very often, but we're going to do one right now. Um, how many of you would not be in church if we only had the 930 service on Sunday? That you need the, ele- like, I need the 1115 service to be here. Because, you, you know, we're doing two services. We've been now. Now, if you're here like, oh, man, I didn't know the sun rose before 10. 
<laughs> okay, I know, I know different people have plans and family, um, different things like that. We will have one service this Sunday. Okay? It will start, and, and this doesn't surprise anybody, it, it will start at 930. Um, and so, <laughs> I, I know you guys expect that. Now, what start means, I don't know. It could just mean we're praying for an hour from 930 to 1030, but it, it will be. Uh, but the church will be open early by 9 a.m. Uh, or earlier for prayer. Please come. You know, sometimes the most difficult services, I'm just telling you from the perspective Sometimes the most difficult services are holidays. You know why? Because our minds are everywhere else. We're, we're thinking about the holiday. And so would you do with me, by the grace of God, everything we can to push all that out and come expecting, come prayerful, waiting on the Holy Ghost. Let's see what God wants to do. And so... Um, Amen. You'll want to be in the prayer room. It'd be cooler in the prayer room than the sanctuary. So, uh, anyway, so we'll have one service on Sunday. We'll communicate that out and get that information to you. Amen? Praise God. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.